Hello, and welcome to Warsaw Bursting Perspectives, our continuing series of podcasts to help you understand key issues at the intersection of business and law. Today, we will look at historic tax credits with regard to real estate with Michael Zuckerman of counsel at the New York-based law firm, Warshaw Burstein. I'm Tom Merriam. Michael, perhaps the best place to begin is let's define exactly what is a historic tax credit. Historic tax credit was created by the federal government to promote the rehabilitation and renovation of old historic buildings. Historic buildings are those buildings that are registered on the National Register by the National Park Service, or they're in a registered historic district. What happens is these people who develop these old buildings, as opposed to the prior law where they just knocked them down, are giving credits in, in order to incentivize uh, a developer to, to rehabilitate one of these old buildings. Give us an example what types of buildings specifically we're talking about here. Um, we are involved in um, mostly uh, apartments, old historic apartments. We've done projects in Kansas City and Cleveland and Milwaukee and Rochester, and we're looking to do some in Norwich, Connecticut, and in um, in uh, uh, Newburgh, New York. All of these are old buildings that have no longer are usable in their present use, and they are better off converting them to residential. For example, the building in in Milwaukee, the client is developing what was the Pabst Brewery. In um, Cleveland, they're converting what was the Cleveland Athletic Club. In uh, Rochester, they're converting what was an old department store. In um, in Kansas City, they're converting what was an old um, warehouse building. In Norwich, Connecticut, it was part of the Norwich State Hospital. And in Newburgh, it was an old industrial building. And it can't just be any building either that's going through the rehab. No, the building has to be on the National Register, or it has to be in a historic district. So, for example, we did one building where the building was not a historic building, and we applied to get it approved as a historic building. Our client is developing a building in the Bronx for HIV, uh, people who are subject uh, who are homeless, HIV-inflicted uh, people. And uh, it was an old uh, uh, warehouse, and it's now, because it was an old industrial building with a history, it was converted into a, um, into a brand-new facility for HIV homeless. And sometimes that becomes the hottest real estate in certain markets, these rehabilitated buildings. Well, what's happened in many cities, in Rochester, Milwaukee, Cleveland, in those four cities, and, and also in Kansas City, these buildings are the hottest rents. You know, they get the highest rents, and they have, they're really cool buildings. You know, they have all kinds of things in them. In Cleveland, for example, that building has a an indoor pool, an Olympic indoor pool. We're talking about historic tax credits with Michael Zuckerman of Washer Burstead. And, Michael, you've given us some background here, but let's get into the nitty-gritty. How do the historic tax credits actually work? Okay. So let's assume that you've got a building and the building is going to cost you a million dollars. You have to spend more than the purchase price. It has to be uh, substantially rehabilitated, which means that the spending on the building has to be more than the purchase price. That meets the substantial test. And then what happens is the costs of the building, let's say that you're going to spend $5 million to renovate the building. 
Certain of those costs are what they call qualified rehabilitation costs, QREs. And a portion of those costs are allocated. So let's just assume that in this $5 million, $4 million qualify, and then you take 20% of that qualified rehabilitation expenditure, and you now have, in effect, you can sell that credit uh, and pick up cash in exchange for the credit. So the credit is then, the money is then used to defray the cost, and it's basically free money because you pay back at the end of five years 5% of the money that's the credits that you've gotten. Michael, you mentioned QREs before qualified rehabilitation expenditures. Let's go into a little depth on that. Okay. A qualified rehabilitation expenditure, in short, is the hard cost for the building. It's all the costs incurred by the consultants on the building, the architects, the engineers, the civil engineers, what have you. It's the interest during construction, and it's the expenses incurred during construction. Many of these projects have interest reserves that carry over into the following years after construction. Those are not qualified rehabilitation expenditures. And the purchase price of the building is not a qualified rehabilitation expenditure. So it's everything but the purchase price and any expenses subsequent to the construction year. Reminder that you're listening to Warshaw Bursting Perspectives. My name is Tom Merriam, and we're talking this week with Michael Zuckerman of Warshaw Bursting about historic tax credits, particularly as they pertain to real estate. So how does a real estate developer use these credits once he or she gets it? Okay. The developer goes out and finds a buyer. There are many, many banks, a couple of insurance companies, and a couple of major corporations, the two largest being Sherwin-Williams, and, um, and a couple of the oil companies. Um, and those people are interested in offsetting their credits, their, their income with these tax credits. The banks are interested in doing it because they have to invest in certain kinds of areas uh, in, in, in order to get certain benefits from the federal government. So these are really good incentives to cause these people to buy the credits. So the developer, who frequently can't use all the credits, monetizes it by selling it. So let's say that the QREs in our example is $4 million. You sell it basically, you get 20% of that $4 million, which is $800,000, and then you can sell it for around 90 cents. So you end up with um, $4 million QRE, um, 20% of that is 800,000, 90% of that is 720,000, and that's cash that gets reinvested into the project. Many states, for example, New York, Ohio, uh, Milwaukee, um, Wisconsin, uh, Missouri, Connecticut, many of these states have state rehabilitation credits. And instead of 20% in most states, it's 25%. Instead of selling for 90 cents like they do for the federal credits, they generally sell for about 80 cents. And some of the states provide incentives. So, for example, in Connecticut, if you want to build a multifamily building and it's going to be affordable, instead of getting 25% credits, you're going to get 30% credits. So they incentivize development in downtown communities and they incentivize affordables. But the money that we've gotten for the credits is then invested in the project to defray the cost of the project. And without that money, frequently the projects are not economically viable. You mentioned states as well as federal. Is there anything for municipalities? No. Let's talk a little bit about uh, 
what the new tax bill is going to mean to the credits so, here. So much has changed with regards to tax credits. As it relates to historic tax credits, there was one change only made. There were lots of discussions about eliminating the credit. Um, but what happened is they made two changes. They used to be something called rehabilitation credits. As, as you may remember, I previously discussed historic tax credits, federal historic tax credits, you get a 20% credit. There used to be a rehabilitation tax credit for any building older than 1938 for 10%. That was eliminated by the new tax bill. The new tax bill also is slightly different on how you get the credits. It used to be when you, um, let's go back to our example, we have a QRE of $4 million and we have tax credits of 800000 you would get the $800,000 credit right up front. Now what the federal government did, because they're trying to save money, is they said that you're going to, instead of getting the $800,000 up front, they're going to divide it and pay it to you over five years. So you're going to get the discounted value of that credit as opposed to getting the $800,000 up front. And it's also possible, I think, to monetize uh, some of the rehab credits, too, if you're not able to use them fully. That's where you sell them to the life insurance companies or the, or the banks or, the, uh, or these, insurance comp- uh, these investors like, like Sherwin-Williams. We have a little bit of time here. Why don't we talk a little bit about structuring here? The way the transactions come in, there are two different structures. One is what we're going to call a single-tier structure, where the tax credit investor invests into the owner of the building directly. He gets 99% of the profits and losses, and the developer gets the balance. The balance is developer fees, and he gets cash flow over time, which is called the deferred developer fee. But all of that in the single-tier structure is taxable. So most people like to find there is another structure called the master-tenant structure. That's a little bit more complicated. And under the master-tenant structure, once again, um, you have the landlord developer leasing the building to the tax credit investor. The tax credit investor now owns a leasehold in the building, and it leases the building from the landlord. It now gets the credits, and it passes it through under the statute to the landlord in exchange for the same cash that we've gotten in the single-tier structure. The master tax, the master tenant structure is infinitely more complicated and, of course, dries up legal fees a lot. But it, it also is a much more efficient execution because the developer ends up not having to pay taxes on the cash flow that comes in over the five-year term. One of the things that we didn't talk about is these tax credits are are held for five years. You must hold them for five years. So the cash flow that's coming in over the five years under the master tenant structure is frequently uh, covered by depreciation, whereas in the single-tier structure it's not. Michael Zuckerman, thanks so much for sharing your knowledge and insights about historic tax credits as they pertain to real estate here on Washoe Bursting Perspectives. And Michael, if anybody wants to reach out to you to learn more about them, how can they do that? Either call me at 212-984-7836 or email me m-z-u-k-e-r-m-a-n at wbny.com. And you can also go to WBNY.com for other Warshaw Burstein Perspectives podcasts and for more information about the Warshaw Burstein Law Firm. Thank you for listening. I'm Tom Merriam.